here with another edition of The Exchange. Uh, it's been a few a long weekend since we last recorded. I'm joined with Blake Doyle, um, and we are ready to kick things off this week. And despite the corona, ongoing coronavirus, we're able to get some productivity done. What's going on today, Blake? Oh, it's uh, another productive day. In fact, we, it's surprising. We, uh, the issue that I have for the business that we're into is uh, the funnel in our forecasting. So there's still projects that we're managing and, and trailing. Uh, but it's how you build that funnel and how you come out of this recession. And that's where the demand stimulation hasn't occurred, I don't think, yet from government. They've been reacting, but not planning. So anyway, we talked about that a little bit this week. We'll discuss that at a further point. Um, so a little bit of tragedy out of a close to home yesterday at Nova Scotia. Um, a massacre that took the lives of, I think it's up to 17 now, including uh, RCMP officer Heidi Stevenson. So pretty pretty sad that even like with everything that's going on in the world that this is kind of thrown on top. Um, I think everyone was a bit, a bit shocked to hear what came from it and how uh, mental diseases kind of take over and we can't do much about it. But pretty sad out of Nova Scotia and the Premier and both the Prime Minister addressed it yesterday. Yeah, it's quite a tragedy and it's a tragedy, especially when a peace officer and a Central service staff member who is trying to manage the security of the economy and the environment is uh, affected. It's it's terrible, but I think uh, this is difficult. I think we've adapted well to this isolation, but clearly um, it's taking toll, especially if there's underlying issues. I'm sure there's lots of struggles out there. Yeah, and I'm sure that we'll find out more in the coming days. But there's been some rumors about kind of how it happened or whatever. But it's pretty sad when we lose an RCMP officer and 16 other. Uh, Canadians that didn't didn't expect that they would be their lives would be ended during isolation and during all this. Um, yeah, so I guess that's it's important to address that that uh, those kind of things can happen close to home, um, and it I guess it's being recorded as in Port of Peak, Nova Scotia, the biggest massacre since the Ecole Polytechnique in Montreal, whatever oh, years ago. I didn't see. It. This is, uh, yeah, it's uncommon in Canada. It's funny. It's not funny actually. There's another stat that I heard that uh, it's the first March. That there hasn't been a school shooting in the U.S. That's really because, because the schools no school, are not in. Yeah, that is pretty sad. Yeah. So it's a uh, harsh yeah, reality. Common. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, I guess switching to uh, public affairs is your article took a bit of took a bit of a conver- or it's started a lot of conversations this weekend. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's fun. Like there's often um, there, there's certain articles that seem to resonate, and a couple of weeks ago we had a good one that did resonate. This one it kind of exploded. Um, which is encouraging. It kind of went viral, to be honest. I had comments from across the country and uh, a lot of direct connections, phone calls, um, texts, emails, LinkedIn messages, um, Facebook messenger messages. People were connecting with me who had not connected in the past. And one of the, I mean, we can review what I was talking about, but really it was about how do you have a planned and organized uh, emergence of the economy and what has to happen in order for that to be achieved. And, you know, we, we've got some pretty good guidance from our chief public health officer and everybody's respected, manage that, and we don't need to change that course. But I think we can start to ease in some economic activity. And certainly there's a little bit uh, more aggression to do that in the States, maybe a little bit too much, but there is an opportunity to sort of open some things up and uh, maintain social distancing and, you know, support reemerge. The longer this economy is stalled, the more challenging it is to restart it. And that was kind of the context, I think, of, of the article. Even like what I noticed on whether it was Facebook or something, people that would never even talk about the economy ever, like you'd have to see, I don't know, like school teachers or uh, just people that would never be kind of economically thinking. They were saying, I like this guy's, I like this guy's words. Like it makes sense to have an exit strategy. And 
I think you as an innovator in kind of your field, that's what I've picked up too, is you've always had the kind of, okay, but what's the plan after that? So regardless of the situation, whether we're in a decline or in a positive, like a bull market, um, you always have to have what's next, the kind of the, the next step. Um, and that's, we haven't really seen that yet. Um, and I think that that'll be important in a couple months time, whenever this does kind of die down and people are able to go outside again and start, the economy starts picking back up. We can't just go from zero to a hundred. You have to have some sort of strategy and some sort of plan in place. And who's managing that strategy. It's fun. So I've asked that question of the communications department now three or four times, you know, who is providing economic guidance? Apparently there's an economic advisory committee. Uh, to this point, they haven't shared that. So maybe they need to be foiped to kind of understand who's providing economic guidance. Now, I did have a couple of people reach out to say, look, we're on this committee and we do meet once a week. And I think that's great. Uh, but it's past time now to start to articulate with this plan and what that plan is. So as a consequence of this uh, article that I wrote, there's been uh, a grassroots movement to establish uh, committees. And there's a couple that have percolated now. And, you know, in the absence of seeing guidance directed uh, from a formal level, there's going to be some informal channels that have established. I think that's great. We need innovators and disruptors and uh, community leaders to put forward some thoughts. And I'm like, from a personal level, I do some volunteering with like a, like a golf in the golf industry. Um, and even all the golf courses have made like a, their own kind of subgroup to say, well, we got to take this on together because there's of no, course. there's no one, one size fits all. Um, and so I think that, is well, your, is your volunteer work uh, putting balls in the woods to see if they grow? Yeah, I go pick up my balls out of the water and everyone else is now. <laughs> I try yeah. to keep it straight. I was actually hitting golf balls the other day in, uh, in my backyard, but. Um, yeah, no, I think every and every industry association is starting to do that, I think. Um, hmm. And that's good. They need to take responsibility, but it should be coordinated. And it should be... It should come uh, from the top down, yeah. Of course, it has to. Because at the end of the day, there's an opportunity to uh, disrupt that. The economy is just, you know, disrupted to some extent by uh, edict. So it has to be in parallel with the wishes of government. You need that direction. And, you know, I guess... I'll leave it at that, but I'm certainly curious what's happening behind the scenes, who's involved. Is this a bipartisan effort? Is there a secret group of people kind of helping to steer this economy? I'm, I'm sure they're very credible people. It just, uh, it'd be appropriate to know that. And it might calm some nerves and you might not have all these little subgroups creating their own agendas, which is probably not constructive in the long run. Well, that's the thing. Whenever like the people who are supposed to be doing it don't, it, the, the real leaders, like you said, the disruptors, the innovators, they'll do it themselves regardless because they, they understand that something has to be done. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, the opportunity is going to be south of the border. That's going to open up. So how do you connect to that market from this location? Um, whether they should be open or not, doesn't matter. The economy is going to be active and we may still be stalled. So anyway, lots of interesting opportunities for. So you kind of in the article, you kind of had like almost like a four step plan. Do you want to kind of go over that? If you, if you, if you remember what you wrote. In uh, it's funny. There's a lot of pieces. And I think there's something in this article that resonated with a lot of people from, you know, supporting the vulnerable society to looking at that four step plan. And I covered a lot of ground in a, I don't know, a few hundred word article. Um, and there's nothing magical. I just in a couple of minutes popped down what I thought would be some logical steps. So it wasn't, a, you know, didn't spend a lot of time on it, but really still uh, it's, I, the, the thing is, if you don't, you have to suggest something. If you don't suggest it, no one can argue it. So now someone can see your four points or whatever you put in it and say, okay, what about this? And you can say, oh, well, that makes sense. So until you, you, you were kind of the first one to publicly say anything of what we should do. So now some other people can say, oh, well, I think you forgot this. I like this kind of thing. But until you well, put that first draft out, nothing's going to happen. 
hopefully somebody read it. Who knows? I hope they've got time to read The Guardian. Um, yeah, so I think it, this is all intended to stimulate discussion and discourse and conversation. And I think in this case, it's done that. So really, the first step is let's identify the viral vector. So who is contagious? Who's been immunized? The immunization is probably short lasting because it's like a cold. This is coronavirus. You'll probably catch it again before there's a vaccination. So who is uh, immune to it at the moment? How do they re-engage in the market? We've talked previously about controlling our borders. I think with the Emergency Act, that's probably the intention of government tighten the borders down, restrict movement of people, and then control our community transmission in our province. That's achievable. I think we're probably on path to that. If there are short-term remediations or fast testing, there's a company in the, well, there's Abbott Labs in the States, but there's a Canadian company now that can do some rapid testing. Let's make sure that we get any um, remedial benefits like medications to the frontline workers, those that are taking the risks, and there's many. Um, and then how do you initiate a low touch economy. So how do you start operations maybe on a managed basis? So if you've got a shift, you know, maybe you're, you're working at different times, 24 hours a day as opposed to work hours, maybe an office building, you have uh, every second day, it's different batches of people every third day, you can start at 10% um, productivity, 25%, 50%. I mean, we're not going to be at 100% anytime soon, but can we start to inch our way toward engagement and activity? And another one is buy local. So I've seen there's a number of groups popping up. Uh, I know, as we mentioned before, I'm in the uh, Summerside Chamber. Uh, there's talk there about building a portal. There's a Facebook group about buying local. But what we need is a consolidated portal where people can post their wares, commit to shopping local, engage locally, and then build the distribution network so local e-commerce can be transacted here within our borders. Um, and then some sort of a... Uh, I guess a confidence inspiring resumption to economic activity. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's a phased in approach that is uh, supported by the public chief health officer and uh, the provincial government and all the industries. But we have to have a vision that we're going to resume to normal because I think many people are enjoying this sort of forced vacation, but it's not sustainable. The longer it goes on, the worse it is. Some people are enjoying it that might not have had. Uh as busy a schedule, but for <laughs> a couple yeah. weeks, it took me a while to kind of, okay, I have this much work to do, but I have, have to do it from my, my bedroom versus <laughs> from an actual location. Yeah. Business don't like it. Then the longer it goes on, the harder it is to restart. And we don't want to see business mortality, which I think we've already seen to some extent. Um, and we will see, cause back. we don't know what will happen throughout the summer either. We don't see, right. there's no light at the end of the tunnel yet anyways. But we talked about a staycation and I mentioned that a month ago. There's no reason that we can't have there, and not every tourism operation should open, uh, maybe for the summer, but those that can, can they be supported by local economy? Yeah. Even if it's yeah. at a lower capacity than before, you still, there's likely some sort of opportunity. If it's obviously you can't have a full functioning staff, maybe like you would last summer right. when we had over a million visitors, but um, there's still an opportunity that you could operate at 50%, have a little less staff, but still kind of support the local market. And for you, you can still volunteer to plant your balls in the woods for somebody yeah, else to find. Like that's, exactly. Yeah, that's it's a full, <laughs> full, full circle. Yeah, <laughs> you're creating an economy, and uh, you know, young people to find balls and resell them. Yeah, anyone who wants to see Blake's article, it's on our Facebook page, um, and all over. It's all over the place because it went viral like a TikTok. Uh, but, but you'll be able to see it if, and we can. I can put the link in in the in this episode. Um, other than that, in, in terms of. Uh, other kind of public affairs, uh, the Tories in, for, or federally seem to be pushing to have in, 
in-person house meetings in, right. in, in Parliament. Um, I don't really see the benefit to that, but maybe you see it. I don't know. But uh, just to kind of do some math that I've seen on, uh, online earlier is that if, the, let's say, a full house is 338 people, um, but usually, other unless it's question period, there's usually only about 50, like if you see videos, there's usually about 50 MPs in the house. Like it's completely empty unless it's question period when they're grilling. And even in question period, there's only about 20 people that ask questions, whether it's from government, uh, opposition, or third parties. So are you um, saying we don't need, maybe we don't need the legislative... Uh, so I'm understand, I don't know why the Conservatives want to put all 30, 338 in the House. doesn't make sense. So what, what do you have to say about that? Well, you know, it, I, I guess, uh, you know, I think our MPs have been accessible. We had Sean Casey on this podcast, and he was very transparent, talking about the uh, initiatives government had. Last week, uh, the Summerside Chamber actually had a conversation with Bob, Robert Morrissey and uh, Wayne Easter, and they were very accommodating of their time. Uh, federal ministers have been available to various Yeah, the chamber had Melanie Jolie last week, I think. So people are accessible and they're communicating. I think that's good. Uh, I guess there must be some arcane rule where you can't have virtual meetings. uh, Probably. Yeah, just it's a rule from 150 years, 200 years ago, whenever Canada became a country or whatever. So that's that's, just it's in the Constitution from years ago and they just haven't changed it. And I think there's danger to changing that, too, because it relaxes things and there's all kinds of accommodation why people want to participate from a different environment so i think you have to be careful you know from the perspective of um you know the the leaders i guess andrew Shear and justin trudeau both are traveling all over the country ignoring guidance to not travel so trudeau so is trudeau staying within a realm his cottage is only down the road Shear's well, going from saskatchewan and back I don't know. I said what I read is they're both traveling. Mm, so you traveling, know, yeah. Interpret it how you want. They'll use travel lightly. But, but I know, think look, it, it's, an account of, it just, it's an accountability measure. And, uh, you know, it's the same with the province. I think the Greens are trying to get the, uh, the, the government back into the house to discuss some of these uh, investments that they're making. And they should be challenged. It should be challenged locally and, and they should be challenged nationally. You can't have um, well, excessive spending without some checks and balances. So I don't know what the mechanism is. They need to find an accommodation, but I think they do need to have a debate on spending for sure. I don't, like, federally you couldn't have a Zoom meeting, like 338 people would be a zoo, but provincially you probably could because only 27, and even if you only had half of that kind of uh, right. disproportionate numbers in terms of how big the caucuses are, you could probably do it. And I think that's what will happen. Um, and even they talked about opening the legislature and PEI and having, like, up to 10 people because I think that's how you can kind of do the math on that. Um, and then you wouldn't have to have people coming from whether it was Hal Perry and Tignish or Con- you'd need Colin Levy from Surrey because he's a speaker, but other people down east, you wouldn't really, you wouldn't really need them to travel as far. You could probably kind of do it with what's around the central area. Um, but yeah, f- federally you could never do, obviously you can't do a Zoom meeting, but you can have 30 or 40 people instead of all 338. That's just my opinion. You don't, you don't need the whole bunch to go debate bills. You can have the leaders and the deputies and the ministers or whatever. Um, or even vote by proxy. I mean, you yeah, might take right. regional blocks and say, okay. Yeah, you're right. Lawrence McCall, you're going to represent the issues yeah, yeah. at the table. Uh, the other question, who really wants to travel? Because it's not easy to get to Ottawa. <laughs> Especially, so, look at a lot of MPs are the, like the kind of older bracket that are less immune to coronavirus too. So right. not that it's not as, it's not spreading as fast as it once was, but it's still out there. If you're going through the Toronto airport, it'd be, that's the last place I would want to be. I'd rather go somewhere <laughs> way far right. away than compared to Toronto. Even driving, I mean, there's all kinds of uh, community transmission points from gas nozzles to bathrooms. So, McDonald's. Well, wherever you got to stop on the way, it's a long drive. <laughs> anyway, it's an interesting challenge, but uh, one I'm sure we have the capabilities to overcome.
I agree. Um, and I think PI, there was actually a Globe and Ar Mail article about just kind of what PI is doing right. Um, I think just because our borders, we are, we are able to shut our borders because it's through a bridge. It's not as easy to get to as other provinces. Um, I think we have been doing a good job. I think the last couple of days, though, we have seen more and more people kind of walking outside or doing whatever, um, which is a little scary, I guess. But I think at the same time, they realize that we have to stay at least six feet apart. It is scary. I know I've got family members that are involved in frontline healthcare, and um, you know, as the weather warms, there's going to be a tendency to relax. I see kids that probably shouldn't be co-locating are, mm -hmm. you know, hanging out, and um, they're vectors. They may not get as affected, but they can certainly transmit uh, to parents or family members or grandparents. So, until we're kind of given authorization that we've got the all clear, we should respect that. But the one thing about PEI is that. Um, we have managed it well, and if we can kind of get this dealt with effectively, we're a beacon to the world. We're going to be able to demonstrate this is how you manage a virus, this is how you lock down, quarantine your borders. And the goods that we produce, whether it's lobster or French fries, they're going to be sought after because it's coming from a pure environment. It's like having, I don't, I don't want to say GMO food, but there, there's going to be a segment of the economy they're going to be very interested. That you can't get uh, anywhere else. Offer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if we're if our able if our economy kind of gets to the jump start before everyone else, then I think obviously they're going to say, "Oh, we can get it from PEI because they're functioning at even at fifty percent versus zero, what it is now essentially." Yeah. So there you go, Sam. I hope that uh, people are watching this. I hope decision makers are watching it. And uh, I'm sure they will. We've, there's been a lot of public policy uh, issues that were imp well, implemented implemented after the exchange. Discuss them. Sadly, though, nobody's reached out to either of us, at least not to me. <laughs> not so yet. We're no. presenting ideas and they're being adopted, but uh, not engaged directly. That's okay. We'll, we'll, yeah, keep, we'll, keep, we'll keep coming up with ideas, whether they're and good ones or not. But another one, you know, if people out there have suggestions, send us a note. Uh, we're happy to yeah. share ideas and articulate perspectives, and um, maybe some of this will be picked up. We need and to get out of this together. We'll be ready to support business whenever we come out of this. Um, we're fully capable of all your uh, consulting needs, too. Well, that's a great point, actually. You probably didn't intend to segue that, but Sam's got four or five options that are available right now to help uh, companies organize and jumpstart because the economy will recover, and you want to be organized for it from HR to communication to strategy. So if you need help with that, reach out to Sam. <laughs> and there's a lot of affordable options, too, in terms of government grants um, that are because of COVID and even ones that are, were in place before COVID. Um, so we're, we're at Confederation Group is able to help with whatever you need. We might not be uh, the, the most, the best looking people for the job, but we certainly have the insights for to help. All right. Well, I think looking at my co-host here, I think others would disagree. Yeah. yeah. First, I've showered for the first time all weekend today, so it's good to, good to get that off the docket. We may wear beanies or something to cover our hair growth. <laughs> yeah. but. I, I started a quarantine beard too. It's day, day eight or nine now. So Okay. Yeah, well, going through. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's a vector that'll catch the COVID. Yeah, I don't want. To, so. Even they they were saying that if the they were I think health officers were wanting to say don't get drunk because you have a higher chance of getting COVID. Like uh, avoid drunkenness is what the title said. I think. So interesting. Um, I read a stat. I think fifty four percent of Canadians are consuming more alcohol during. Oh, definitely. It, I guess people have nothing to do, but well, what, it's actually. Per, it's hard to get alcohol. I mean, if yeah. you, there's local craft brewers that deliver, but uh, based on what I've witnessed, domestic stuff's lineups, a lot harder. Yeah, boy, it's not uh, not a place you want to hang out. Long lineups. People have been well. I guess every day is Saturday, so that's why probably people are consuming more. Um, but I think even a lot of people are going like kind of having trick 
uh, or avoid cheat codes and go into either Monocue or Belfast or, or uh, King Cora, kind of the agency stores, because it's a little less of a line. But no, not a, not a chance you'll see me waiting in line um, for a couple hours to get my oh, to get my fix. You know but, what? Some nice warm day in May, you might be getting pretty thirsty. I'll put so. my flip my flip flops on inside. It's, uh, you know, there is going to be some changes. and There's going to be increased demands on, uh, I don't know, surveillance is the right word, but just on behavior probably as this, yeah. not, not alcohol, but just uh, socialization and social distancing. And that's going to be tough. So hopefully they can get this uh, managed locally. And I think they have, honestly, I think they've done an exceptional job. So. Yeah. And I think, I think we'll find out today, the chief public health officer has, like Heather Morrison hasn't put out her thing today, but we'll likely see either zero or minimal cases and that the ones that are, I think all, I forget what percentage are recovered, like pretty much a hundred percent are recovered at this point. So it's, uh, it's, it's nice to see. And it's a little, it kind of calms you a little more peace of mind knowing that what we're doing is working and it's not all for nothing. So. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's good. What else? So you must have other observations just from quarantine. Um, anything you've seen? I think or? what, just in terms of, from a business perspective that, there's been a handful of businesses that saying, I'm not letting this get in my way. Like I'm going to pivot and do some, I might not make as much money, but I'm going to do something to, I think a great example, like we talk about the breweries delivering, but why wouldn't you deliver? Like you're not going to make money other, any other way. So go, go make delivery. Even restaurants are putting growlers and mm-hmm. kind of put them out. Yes. Um, so yeah. it's not all about alcohol, but that's one way that pe- that's what people want during this time. It's clear through statistics. So if you're offering free delivery on wide, um, and same as restaurants that are doing it. Some restaurants just close their doors and said, no, I'm not going to bother. So, okay. Yes. The times suck, but you have to do something about it. So I think there's a small, not a, I wouldn't say a small percentage. It's relatively big, but let's say a quarter of the businesses that were affected said, no, I'm going to make, I'm going to go do something about it. So that's what I'm, I'm seeing real leadership that way. And a lot of it is kind of the more, the younger business people that do carry a lot more risk and don't have as have it as easy as kind of the well-established businesses do that are saying, well, we don't have a choice, so we have to keep moving forward. Those are the innovators and disruptors. They're exactly. adapting. And uh, it's like natural selection. Those that adapt uh, thrive. Yeah. Those that don't. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there's there's some that have always been kind of those innovators, and they're obviously showing it. Um, but then the pe- some people that have maybe, this is the first time kind of taking a risk or taking a leadership role. So that's what I've noticed from my perspective, that it's been a handful of companies that said, we're not going to let COVID get in our way. We're still going to keep pushing forward. We're not going to let this take, we're not going to let it take over our business. It'd be nice to have a portal, a centralized, localized, you know, location where you can say, okay, who's open, who's not, what are they serving? Because even restaurants have a restricted menu. Yeah. So. And I think even our, one of our guests a couple weeks ago, Joel Ives, Century 21, his real estate company has kind of made their own portal to say, here's what restaurants deliver. Here's what breweries, here's what grocery stores and Murphy's hospitality group made their own. But like you mm-hmm. said, if you had one gigantic, and Upstreet made one too, actually, if you had one for all of PEI, not just food and drink, but other services that are available, um, I think it, you're right, it would it would be beneficial. Yeah, it's, it, it's just a good one central stop. Like a, go, a government-sponsored one that you don't have to worry about, like someone's con- consistently upkeeping. Right. So we won't criticize government, but there's an opportunity government, uh, you know. Have, don't steal our ideas, up. but you can. Yeah. You can <laughs> yeah. steal that idea. It's, borrowed other ones so this is one you can have too i think that's probably a good place to end off until our, our next episode we have a couple uh good guests coming up this week that we won't we will we'll tease a bit um but uh in terms of kind of we've kind of had the theme of community leaders maybe people that um are doing kind of unique things during this time um, and i think our last few guests have have shown that too 
this week we've got uh, so a couple things. Recent guests, we you can still make a donation to the food bank through Ryan Pino's um, Sing for Their Supper. I think is the link on. Um, it's through his Facebook, and it's on. I think it's been shared. Uh, it's on our page too. So if you want to check that out. And another big viral event that's happening. I think on the twenty fourth, right? Yep. Is that, uh, this Friday. So Community Foundation have a great uh, their online gala. Yeah concert so yeah lots of activity to keep involved with and uh, there's a lot of t-shirt sales for that too actually so that's that might be one of our guests in, in the clothing industry this week but um that there's a lot of fundraisers going around with uh, Stephen Meyer's face the premier's face um and Philip Brown's face one of our actually our first guests on our quarantine edition um, right. but there's kind of making fun of it making fun poking a little fun at them but it, it's all going to charity so it's all good We've had a lot of politicians, but none, not, none from the current government. No, Someday yeah, we'll get I'm, one of those. I'm allergic to blue, so we don't know well, Let's maybe they'll reach out and yeah. they acknowledge if they want to. Yeah, feel free. Yeah, we won't go asking, but if they're around, uh, they know where to find us. <laughs> There's a sign-up sheet. We'll consider their their auditions. <laughs> Make an application. <laughs> Anyways, this has been the exchange presented by Confederation Group. I'm Sam McPhail. As always, I'm with Blake Doyle, um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Oh,